You're listening to the CEO's Wing Woman podcast. I'm Olivia Jenkins, your host and virtual coach, helping you scale your brand to cult-like status. Since 2019, I've helped over 100 clients generate in excess of 45 million in revenue. And now it's time for me to share my tips, tricks, and strategies to help you supercharge your growth. I'm here to help you step into your power to develop a bulletproof strategy and growth mindset to match. Consider me your secret weapon to scale. Let's get started. Welcome to the CEO's Wing Woman podcast, the ultimate growth mindset podcast for ambitious CEOs wanting to create cult brands. I'm your host, Olivia Jenkins, and today I am honored to be joined by Eliza Nixon, mum of four, including identical twin boys, and the owner of the multi-six-figure brow studio, Browse by Eliza. Now, since Eliza and I have been friends since our early teens, I thought this would be the perfect episode to cover all things balancing business and babies, plus the power of long-term friendships that hold you through all the different seasons of life. Please welcome Eliza to the show. Hello. Welcome. That was beautiful. I love that intro. Love that. It's so nice to get a special intro like that. I feel like we chat several times a day. Imagine if you got that every time you walked in a room. It'd be lovely, wouldn't it? We'd have a very big head. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, I'm obviously very excited to record this episode because I absolutely love and adore you, as you know, and you are one of my closest friends in my inner circle, which is very small. And I'm just excited to be able to share you with everyone and be able to tell your story and give a lot more context about your life and all of the amazing things that you've achieved because it still honestly blows my mind that you have four kids, first and foremost, a FIFO husband, which I didn't put in the intro, but Eliza has a husband that's not physically present all the time in the house. And you still manage to start and run and grow a successful business, which I think is incredible. So before I give everything away, can you please introduce yourself? Just give listeners a little bit of perspective about who you are and what your business is. Hello, everyone. I'm Eliza. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my business is called Brows by Eliza. So it is a eyebrow threading business, which specializes in all things eyebrows. I started it in 2018 when my second child was about 10 months old, started it from home, have grown it. I now work in a studio in the Adelaide Hills, which is where I live and I love. And yeah, that's me. So uh, yeah, I've got a husband that works fly in, fly out. So he's technically... Uh, seven days away, seven days home, which is not too bad when you look at the FIFO lifestyle. But yeah, we've got four kids together. So we had the first two and then we went for a third and happened to conceive identical twins. And funnily enough, Olivia, you were the very first person that I told on that day. (laughs) Thank you very much. I don't know how much value I added. I still remember where I was, what I was doing and getting that phone call. And I just had nothing. I think for the first time in my life, I was actually speechless. I had nothing, no no feedback whatsoever. I was just like a mute. I didn't know what to say. No, I don't know. You were the first person that I, that I wanted to call. And, you know, when you first sort of find out things like this, even just when the first time you find out that you're pregnant and you think, you know, who am I going to tell? Because you just need to get it off your chest, like whether it's a family member or a friend 
but sometimes you think, oh, maybe I'm not quite ready to tell this friend or maybe I shouldn't tell this friend. But when, yeah, with you, it was like, no, I have to tell Olivia right now. I have to call her. And it was before I'd even, I had I had the scan done in the morning and I had clients booked in for the rest of the day and I had to get this off my chest before I even had my first client of the day. <laughs> and I called you. I think you asked really good advice. I can't really remember the conversation, but you probably giggled at one point, I would say. I thought it was funny. I mean, going for the third and getting twins is just the thing that you always joke about, but you don't actually think is going to happen to you. So I think on that basis, definitely. But, you know, I obviously know how incredibly resilient you are and how you just have a way of getting on with things. I knew that if anyone was going to be able to handle it, it would be you. And I think that's definitely proven true. Still to this day, I just... I'm blown away that you're able to do all of the things that you're able to do with relatively little help, I feel, and still do all the things that you want to in the business as well, which is awesome. Thank you. And you know what? I feel the exact same about you. So there you go. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I feel like this is one of the biggest things and I still remember this. I want to touch on it because I want to dive a little bit deeper into what prompted you to start the business and just a little bit about your backstory as well of what you were doing prior to starting the business because I always feel like you've had the entrepreneurial streak even though it might not have eventuated previously into an actual business per se but I feel like you've always been very highly driven, very highly ambitious and I think that's definitely a shared thing for us as well that we both love growth and mindset and just being the best possible versions of ourselves. But I know that we have these conversations because I started the consulting business mid-2019 and I think you'd started the browse business just before. What date did you say it was? It was the very start. So it was, yeah, January 2018 was when I started officially. Yeah. Yeah. So you were like a year and a half ahead of me at that point. But I think that we were both pregnant at similar times. So I think I had Mm -hmm. Henry in June 2017 you must have had Hunter the month before was it the month yeah before? he was May yeah yeah he was May. he came like three weeks early so yeah, yeah yeah and I remember having these conversations with you and you were thinking about starting the business at that time and we were weighing up the yeah. different options that you'd have and what you'd call it and looking at different Instagram yeah. profiles for Insta and all of the things but What was the original catalyst? Like what was it that made you want to start the business at first? Basically, when I had Hunter, he was my second child. And when I had Mia, I was only 20 years old. So I was obviously very young. And I'd always had that entrepreneurial pull. But I knew at that age, having our first child, that I really needed to focus on getting a job and working and doing something that was far more practical than starting a business. And I I wouldn't have had any idea what business to start at that point anyway. So my focus at that point was really just to find a job that had growth, had perhaps uncapped income potential. So I went down a road of lots of different sales jobs and things like that, which taught me a lot. I did learn a lot and I, I credit a lot of that experience to the business that I have today and everything that I've learned. But a part of that was having to work full time, never being able to be home with Mia. Mia 
had a pretty tough um, first couple of years. She was in childcare pretty much full time. And some of my jobs required me to be there till sometimes seven or seven or eight o'clock at night. I'd be picking her up at night from a grandparent's house or somewhere. So she definitely copped the full brunt of having two full-time working parents. And then when she was three, Rory started working away and he started off going away for two weeks at a time and only being home for one, which was pretty full on. I don't wow. think we could do that now. That's hard. And yeah. yeah, so that was a huge focus for us. And so when I had Hunter, my focus changed to wanting a bit more of a balance. And Rory's job had sort of progressed at that point too. So he was earning a bit more money. He um, had a bit more flexibility as far as how much I had to work. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know what, well, I want to start a business and hopefully that will give me a bit more flexibility so that my next child is not in childcare full time and I can actually spend some of those precious early moments with them. And initially I thought it was really just going to be something that I might do one day a week you know, so I think at one point I said to you, oh, even if I could just earn $200 a week, pay for some groceries, and then I wouldn't have to work, you know, full time. And that was honestly how small I was thinking. I really didn't think much bigger than that at the Quite time. So, <laughs> so my plan was to at least just have a skill and I, I knew that it would be easier to do something that I could do from home. And so I sort of started going down that path of thinking of what sort of businesses can you run from home? And that's, it just started from there. So what was it about brows? I don't even think I've asked you this question even on a friend level before, because we, we obviously, and we'll go into this in a minute, but mm. we obviously have a long friendship and we've, I've known Eliza since I was 13 years old and that's a whole nother kettle of fish that we'll go into in a minute. But <laughs> What was it that compelled you to choose brows? And were you good at art at school? Because I feel like <laughs> anyone that is a good makeup artist, a good brow artist, microblading, anything along those lines, they are the people that were really good at art in school. So, Eliza, was that, is, that you? That is so true. That is so See? true. And do you know what? I did have a talent for art. I never pushed it or explored it. But I do, I have since figured out that I do have quite an eye for things, but I was never an artist, but my mum is. My mum is a really, really good artist. Yeah. So I think it was, there was a bit of that genetics in there, but I didn't know any of that, like when I started. And the funny thing is I'm a very, I can be quite spontaneous. I can be quite impulsive and a lot of the other little entrepreneurial hobbies and things that I'd had in the lead up to this were all very like that, very like, oh, I'm going to do this. And not much thought went into it and I would just go out and do it, which isn't a bad thing. But I also didn't see the whole picture. So this was the first business that I started where I actually didn't actually come from an emotional place. It came from a very, very practical place, which is very unlike me. Was it gut-led as well? Like, Did you have a gut feeling? Yeah, so pretty much I I always knew that, you know, when you start a business, you've got to do something that you love. So first of all, I wrote down a list of all the things that I love doing and makeup was very high on that list. That was going to be my next one. Yeah. The only problem I had with makeup was that it was very weekend orientated. Yes. 
and mm-hmm. it conflicted with my value, which was being at home with my family and spending time with my family. So I, I moved away from makeup specifically, but then I looked at other sort of beauty services. And the next one was lash extensions. That was like really big at the time. And then I moved away from lash extensions because I was worried that it was going to be too much of a fad and that it would based. die out. Yeah. Yeah. So then I went just to eyebrows <laughs> and I was like, well, you know what? Everyone needs to get their eyebrows done. You're always going to have eyebrows. Month. Exactly. It's not a trend. The trends are how your eyebrows look, not essentially getting them done. So I moved to eyebrows and I went to threading specifically because no one in my area was doing it at the time. And I'm, I was a bit funny. I didn't want to, to tread on anyone's toes. And so mm-hmm. part of me felt like if I go threading, then I'm not directly competing with all the people in my area that do waxing because I'm offering something that's a little bit different. So mm-hmm. if people don't want to get their brows waxed, then they can come see me to get them threaded. The only thing that worried me at that point was because no one in the area offered it. I wasn't actually sure if anyone in the area would want it because it was mm-hmm. at the time very popular in the city and some of the outer sort of suburbs, not so much in the Adelaide Hills where I live. So I just went down that path and I just started Googling different courses and things and I found something and I went, it was, it was just this one day course and I remember leaving thinking I'm never going to get this and, but I was just persistent. So I absolutely smashed YouTube, Instagram, anywhere that I could just watch tutorials over and over and over and over again. And then I practiced on any of my friends and family who would let me. Um, Please don't take off my brows. (laughs) Actually, one of my friends, I feel like I owe her so much because she was just my dummy and she was just so, she was such a a champ about it. And one of the first times I did her brows, I think I was there for two and a half hours. (laughs) To be fair, (laughs) I would rather you take two and a half hours and I still have brows left than you take 20 (laughs) seconds and I have none. Yeah. So I was there for two and a half hours and I remember her husband was there and he was just laughing the whole time. He was like, is this how long it's going to take? I'm pretty sure lash extensions <laughs> take that long. I haven't, I've had them done maybe once or twice and it was years ago, but I remember having to sit still for too long. And I think that was part of the reason why I never went back because I yeah. had to sit still for so long. I actually got bored. No, you're right. I've had them done a couple of times and I do feel like once you start adding up your nails and your toes. You really have to choose. I That's what I do. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah, you do. You've got to prioritise. I feel like there's just so much value in all of the things that you just said. And I want to summarise some of these things. If there are any listeners listening to this thinking you want to start a business and you don't know which business idea is right for you, go back and listen to the last five or so minutes of this podcast episode because I feel like Eliza's given so much gold information about how to choose what that idea might be for you and work out which one has legs. And there was one thing that you said in particular that I just loved and that is when you were going through the process of elimination and you were referring to makeup being quite high on the list, but then you reflected on it and you thought about how it would be quite a weekend-based role because that's when people are most likely to be going to events or having weddings and things like that. And you said it didn't align with my values. 
And I think yeah. that is huge. I obviously am a very big believer in core values because I believe they drive our behavior. And I also believe that they help us make good decisions. And I think that's exactly what you did in that moment was actually take a step back, look at your values, look at the options that you had, and you made a values-based decision, which I think is so powerful. So I just loved that recap of your journey so Thank far you. and where things are at. How have you gone, like you think back to those early stages and trying to convince friends and family to be your guinea pigs and to practice on and, and all of the things. How did you go from there to where you are now and what things specifically would you put your success down to? Clearly you're, you're very resilient because I know that was the other thing I wanted to say. Going back and looking at YouTube videos and TikToks and all of the things that you were doing, you weren't prepared to take no for an answer. You didn't feel confident after that course, but you kept going anyway and you took matters into your own hands. What do you put it down to? Is it some of that or is it extra stuff? Is it practical things or is it more mindset-based things like that? I would say that there was a bit of blind faith involved. I think like I've, I've loved business. Like I've always loved following amazing business owners like when I was young if my friend's family owned a business I would be like what is your business and I would want them to tell me all about it like I loved speaking to your mum when I was young and finding out how she started and so my mind for years has been filled with all these amazing stories of all these different people and something that really gets me excited is the fact that so many people have built so many different things like I met someone who created some silly little plastic thing that fits in something and, you know, it changed like a whole industry. Just, do you know what I mean? It's not always. Or even like the, the press one to go here, press two to go there. Wasn't that an Adelaide based guy? And he's like a, a gazillionaire. Yes. Yes, exactly. Just simple stuff used to really impress me but it just broadened my horizons to you know what you can achieve you can achieve anything if that person can do it then why can't I so I think when it came to this business I just had a bit of blind faith but I also knew there were other people that were thriving in that industry and they were thriving in that business so it was just well if they can do it why can't I I do look back now and I look at, you know, when you look at some of those early Instagram posts or you look at some of the early before and afters and there are times where I think, oh, my God, I can't believe some people came back. But <laughs> what, as in the work was that or your editing skills to put the graphic oh, all together? Of it, all of it. Do you know, all of the above. work wasn't terrible. Like people still left with eyebrows. But um, just, yeah, just pretty much what I did is when I was ready, to, when I felt like I was ready to go out into the world after I'd practiced on all these people, I knew that I had to set up an Instagram account because people would want to see before and afters. I, I knew that I had to give people the incentive to want to come to me. And so when I had been practicing on people, I had been doing these before and after photos and that's how I started. And I also knew that people loved have those like educational sort of posts too so not only would I do these before and after photos I would also add in things like what are the benefits of eyebrow threading or what are the benefits of getting your brows done once every four weeks so I had a lot of that sort of content and within the first week I had a couple of bookings and I remember being at someone's house for a barbecue on a Sunday and getting a dm saying hey I want to book in with you do you have anything on today and me saying to Rory, 
we're gonna go home. I've got, yeah, <laughs> we've got, I've home. got my first booking. I've got my first booking. We've got to go home. <laughs> and so we left this barbecue and went home. And then it was a booking that day, or you yeah, freaked out and you were like, oh, it was that day. <laughs> yeah. So she messaged me that day saying, like, are you free? And it was on a Sunday. I was like, yes, I'm free. I'm not saying no. Like, oh my God, <laughs> yes, I I'm love that. You're like an absolute yes person in that moment of, I don't care if it's Sunday, it could be 9 p.m. right now, I'm doing your brows. <laughs> basically, basically, not in that position to refuse someone. Were you terrified? I was, and we'd only had, so we only had three bedrooms in that house that we were in, and so it was actually Hunter's Nursery was the room that we were using, so I had to move like all of his baby furniture out and his cot and everything and then I would set up my table and set everything up so it looked a bit more like a little beauty room and then yeah this person showed up at my doorstep and I pretended like I was really confident even though I'm pretty sure my hands were like shaking like the whole time and and do you know what my as my luck would have it this girl had the most uneven eyebrows you had ever seen in your life like she was she was one of those cases where I sat there staring at it going, what the hell am I going to do about this? Because one eyebrow was like really sharp and arched and then the other one was like really rounded. Like there were two, they were completely different eyebrows. And to this day, I still don't see eyebrows that. They, I couldn't have been given the, the hardest set of eyebrows. <laughs> it was really, the universe was really putting your one day short course to its absolute test. Yeah. And she was there for 45 minutes, I think, That's which was good. an improvement. It was an improvement was from um, before, two from two and a half hours. I still realize, I think I only charged like $25 or something. For, and that was threading and a tin as well. Bless you. And um, I remember like when she left, you know, I felt good. But then I said to my husband, I was like, I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to get faster at this because this is not gonna. I can't be having twenty five dollars in forty five I mean, minutes. Throw yourself a bone. <laughs> it's your first client. You've been given <laughs> the eyebrows from hell, and I've got to get faster. It's just not good and enough. And even and you know even halfway through that appointment, she actually got a phone call from her boyfriend who was like, "Where are you? Like, have you disappeared? <laughs> Aren't you home yet? <laughs> are you okay?" <laughs> You've gone to a strange yeah. house. The ladies converted her nursery to a beauty room. Are you okay? You've been gone 45. Yeah. You said you'd be gone I 20 love and you've been gone 45. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really love that though. And I, I can relate to it as well. I think I've shared a social media post on this once, but when I first started my business back in mid 2019, I had the same situation. We had a three bedroom house and, you know, basically I had to share an office, a bedroom, whatever you want to call it, with Archie. Archie was, gosh, a year old, just a year at that point. And I remember yeah. one side of the room was his nursery and the other yeah. side of the room was my office. And it was yeah. this hybrid situation of half nursery, half office. And that was how I started. That's what you had to do. Yeah. And you had a ridiculous renovation going on at your house too so that was just another level as well that's a story for another day but yes you're right that was in the years <laughs> of a portaloo on my back fence for two years through pregnancy and a newborn yeah but the renovation was worth it in the end but yes I just love yeah. that resilience though of not needing things to be perfect and just getting on with it because I think sometimes even if you're in, a, in an established business 
you're still given opportunities and projects where you might be launching a new product or a new service or you take something on and you just have to get started. You just sometimes can put up all of these barriers in front of yourself that don't need to be there. And so I think it's a really good reminder to feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, 100%, definitely. And you know what? I I had never been, myself, I had actually never even been to a home business before that. I knew people did it, but I personally had never done it. So even my mindset at the time was I'm doing this, but I have no idea who would even come here or why because I'd never done it myself. I think there's a very high acceptance though, particularly in beauty that, you know, it's pretty common to go and get a spray tan at someone's house or get your nails done at someone's house. And I think, you know, there's sort of a high acceptance for it. But I feel like to recap on that segment as well around what things specifically you did, I, a lot of the things that you're talking about, I think are mindset and I sort of boiled it down to four main things. One, growth mindset. If someone else is doing it, why can't I? It's possible. And that your skill set is not fixed, that you can always grow. Like you left that course that day thinking, I'm not that confident. I don't really know what I'm doing, but you knew that you could get better with time. Hmm. So I love that. Two, resilience. You might not have seen, you know, instantaneous results. Well, probably you thought it was instantaneous results with your two clients in that first week, but (laughs) the resilience to keep going, even when, you know, things were probably hard or when you did that first client and you were like, oh my God, I took 45 minutes. That's too long. You still kept going anyway. Three, and I don't know if you consciously know this, and I obviously know you very well, but I feel like there's Mm. a high level of humility with you as well. You're so humble. Even now, some of the things that you are saying, you're just the most humble human. And four, you didn't talk about this, but I want to call you out on this. You were so consistent with your social media content, albeit that you weren't thrilled scrolling back to the beginning of your (laughs) feed, but you posted all the time and you're really consistent with your posting as well. And you always have been. And I feel like that has really worked in your favor because I don't think you've done any paid ads or anything like that really at all, have you? You haven't really had to advertise. It's all been built through word of mouth and social media marketing? Predominantly, yeah. I dabbled in some of that just to see, you know, if it made any difference and like boosting posts and things like that. I went, I did do that a few times, but I don't really need to, no. And I think, yeah, yeah, no, not really. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's really incredible because it just goes to show, A, it's a testament to the work that you do and how amazing you are at your craft based on how amazing you were at art in school, it seems. (laughs) I I was not good at art in school. (laughs) But but I think I I had some um, um, missed potential there, perhaps. (laughs) Yes, need to channel that in. But yeah, I think that's amazing. It's a testament to the amazing work that you do and the clients that you serve. I am keen to touch on family life now because a lot of my community are mums or will you know, be mums in the near future. And I think that there's so much to be said about balancing business and babies, as I would often say in the past. Yeah. And yeah. I'm keen to tap into this space and just explain, well, first of all, how do you feel about that topic? How do you feel about balance and you know the juggle between business life and motherhood yeah I feel quite strongly about that I would say that my 
focus is to try and stay balanced all the time or as much as possible that was my main value that was Mm -hmm. you know my parents worked full-time my entire life and when we moved to the hills they were driving over an hour to work there and back and me and my younger brother used to have to wait around for them until six o'clock at night and because we lived on a property which you couldn't walk there we would be stuck in the town for hours after school every day and I just felt like I just didn't want that for my kids that's you know I want them to be able to go hang out with friends after school but also just go home and relax and just Mm. chill out and do your homework or whatever it is and it's a lot of work to run a house and when I was working full-time with Mia I would then spend my entire weekend at home cleaning and catching up and all the practical stuff and there's just no time for any fun (laughs) I don't know if there's still time for fun now (laughs) (laughs) it's so interesting as well even just as you were saying some of those things about your life it made me reflect on my childhood as well and obviously I grew up with an entrepreneurial mother who started a business when I was 18 months old and I can definitely relate to you know before school care then you were at school then you were at after school care and then you were the last kid that was picked up from after school care and then you know on the times that you were maybe picked up after school you were the last kid that was sitting on the the wall or whatever at the local bilo waiting to be picked up. And I remember having those thoughts as well in that moment growing up being like, I'm going to be the mum that bakes the cookies and does kinder gym and play group and mother's group and I'm going to be at home with the children all the time. And then it's so interesting because I don't know if you had those thoughts as well, but when push comes to shove and I actually did start a family for the first time, I was in the thick of my career and I didn't want to let go of this career that I'd built and the momentum that I'd built throughout my career. Attention visionary CEOs, ready to elevate your business IQ? Introducing the Business Academy by Olivia Jenkins, setting the gold standard in business education. Launching this November, this pilot 12-week program is perfect for startups, scaling businesses and seasoned CEOs aiming for long-term growth. Get ready for bi-weekly live group coaching calls led by yours truly and bi-weekly masterclass drops on CEO mindset, leadership, strategy, marketing, sales psychology, and branding. But here's the catch. The pilot intake this November has limited spots available. So visit www.oliviajenkins.co forward slash academy to secure your spot now. I wanted to find a way to be able to do both and be a mum simultaneously to still maintaining my career and and growing in that area of my life. And it's just so interesting because that's not what I thought I wanted when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I was like, no, definitely I want to be a stay-at-home mum. But then when it came to it, that's actually not what sets my heart on fire. And I say this with total love and respect because I think that stay-at-home mums and I've got friends who are stay-at-home mums and I've got friends who are in a business or are working mums, stay-at-home mums for me, like I take my hat off to them. There's one Mm, girlfriend of mine, Jess in particular, that's a stay-at-home mum and I just think she's absolutely incredible, the most patient human being on the planet because I would not be able to do what she does and still be sane at the end of it. It's just for me the 
business and having the like the mental stimulation for strategy in my brain, all the things that I love doing, not only is it a big part of my identity as a person, but also that's what lights me up. So I feel like if that wasn't part of my life for five years or however long I'm raising kids in those early stages, I would have found that mentally very challenging and I feel like it would have affected my mental health. Yeah, 100%. And I'm, I'm similar. I need to still have something that I'm working towards that is just me or, um, you know, something that's separate from home life because I know that when I have been at home and even, you know, the maternity leave that I took, I really did enjoy that leave. I enjoyed that time of being home. But my mind in the background was still spinning. It was still going. It was still, yeah, like, well, oh, what else can you do? What can you do to make money? Like it just kept kind of going. And, you know, I'm like my husband, Rory, we are like chalk and cheese. And so I like the idea of earning my own money. It's something like he would be quite happy if I wanted to just be a stay-at-home mum full time and, you know, he just earned the money and I was like, he would love that. And I'm like, that sounds like tying me up in a straitjacket and locking me in a room. That's how that, when you say that to me, that's the vision that I have in my head. I just could not do that. I need, I don't need to be working flat out five, you know, five, six days a week, but I do need to be doing something that's, that's part of me. And I feel like I have a pretty good balance. Some days I wish that I could work more in my business but I feel like I'm sort of just biding my time until the kids are just a little bit older, a little bit more independent, and then I can have a bit more of that ambition directed into my business. This is the thing with balance as well, is I feel like you're always at some point in the spectrum. You know what I mean? Like there's the balance mm. point is right in the middle, but how often are you 100% like right in the middle? You know what I mean? And I feel like yeah, there are going to be days never. where you think, I need to be at home more and I'm really craving more time with the kids. And then you do that and you're like, okay, get me out. I need time yeah. away from the kids. <laughs> so you're yeah. just constantly going side to side. And I think you rarely spend, a, a, you know, a decent chunk in the middle because some, there are days where, you know, arguably there's no such thing as balance and you're either letting someone down in the business or you're letting someone down at home. You know, and I think sick kids is a perfect example of that. If you've got sick kids, then you're letting clients down because you're cancelling appointments Mm. and vice versa. If you don't stay at home with your child, then you're letting them down because they probably want mum and they want to be held by you and supported by you. So you you always are making decisions and making choices as best you possibly can. But, you know, in some ways, balance, you know, doesn't really exist. You're either one way that way or one way the other way. So it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, constantly rocking all the time for sure. Definitely. And that can get pretty exhausting sometimes. <laughs> oh, for sure. But I think I mean, such as modern yeah. life as well. I feel like yeah. when we were kids and, you know, when our parents were kids, there was literally women everywhere. Like your aunties would be there, your grand grandparents like your grandma would be there and everyone would just rally around each other and chip in whereas nowadays it's a different story and I think that as women you know the societal expectation is that we work and we contribute to the household and we still do all of the things that we we tend to do so it's just it's a different era 
but I am keen to explore as well. I know for me when the boys were little, because I had Henry and Arch under 12 months apart, there were certain things that helped me get through those early stages of the business or even at work as well, because obviously I was a general manager in corporate before I started the business and I still had a very, very heavy workload. I had certain things that I would do, almost practical tips or routines that I would do that helped me get things done at work or in the business. Do you have any, I know that your babies are younger than mine now with the twins. Do you have any practical tips for listeners that might have bubs on the way or thinking about starting a family soon or maybe they have you know a baby now that they're working around or they want to start a business but they're just not sure how to juggle things what advice would you give someone on how they can get things done in the position that I was in what was really good with me was I really did need to know what my values were and I really did need to know that I was working within those values so if I wanted to start this business for example I knew that you know Rory's here one week at a time and then he's gone the other week so initially I'm only going to take clients on the week that he's home and between these hours because you know I have nap times and all these sorts of things that I've you know I'm using my baby's room so (laughs) I need to still work around that sort of stuff too um the other thing was I had I did have some systems in place very early. So I already had an online booking system within like within a month or two of starting my business because I didn't want to get bogged down on my days off or at eight o'clock at night or wherever it was with people wanting to book in and, and you know, you, Oh, what about this time? No, that time doesn't work. What about this time? Like that was taking up a lot of my time very quickly. So setting up some systems in place so that when you, are at home you can just be at home and you don't have to worry about you know some things are just working seamlessly in the background essentially that was a good one and I think being flexible but also just having some boundaries I think was just really important for me did you do the whole sleep routines things like did you do save our sleep or anything like that oh I with Hunter not so much with the twins definitely did like I was so much more strict with the twins Hunter I was I just got into his sort of routine so he he was in a routine but it was almost led more by him yeah Yeah. so I knew that he generally used to get tired around say 11 o'clock and he'd be and he generally sleep for an hour or two hours or something so I wouldn't book anything between that time and I, I juggled it pretty well I don't think I had many times where I was thinking, oh, crap, you know, this is overlapping a nap time or this is encroaching on, like, there were a couple of times, but I I was pretty good at being able to juggle certain things. And and I think that, yeah, that was pretty good. Honestly, it just got to a point after a while that I knew that I had to move the business out of the home. So once I'd sort of built it to a point where, you know, I started to have people coming from Adelaide and you know, an hour's drive away and some of them obviously were complete, complete, complete strangers and that was when I started to go, I don't know if I actually feel comfortable with having these people in my home sometimes when my husband's cooking dinner and the kids are going thorough in the lounge room and all that sort of stuff. So that at that point was when I knew it was the right next step. So I think people also need to sort of 
be honest about where they're at and Mm -hmm. when it's right, you know, what they're taking on, can they handle that and can they move to that next step and is that going to be, you know, fair and reasonable and, you know, how that's going to work. So, And I think that relates a lot to family as well, as you were saying with the core value, because in the beginning you start the business, you obviously don't have the revenue to be able to invest in having any type of external office or, you know, beauty room or whatever. But then as the business grows, you can start to make different decisions and more choices become available to you. But it's interesting as well, because that does actually circle back, like you said, to your core value of family, because not just from a safety perspective, I think that's one part of it, but also your home for a lot of people is a sacred space. And I think for the kids as well, I know I've had seasons where I've you know, operated the business somewhat from the house or spent more time there and had an office there or whatever. And I feel like the kids are somewhat impacted at times where, you know, half of the bedroom's taken over or, or whatever happens. And so if you've got the capacity to be able to move that outside of the home, then I think you can reap the benefits of that, not only just with family life, but also with having a bit more separation between home and work. Because I know for me, in the seasons where I've worked from home in the actual home building, it can be difficult sometimes to get home because you're already at home and switch into mum mode. You might have just come out of a meeting. You might have just come out of an appointment with a client or whatever and then all of a sudden you've got to, you know, click your fingers and switch pace into mum mode and that sometimes can be a hard adjustment to make in a split second whereas that drive home if you've got a five-minute drive or a 10-minute drive or an hour drive, gives you a little bit of time for your mind to clock into a new headspace yeah. and I think that distance can be really positive. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. It was it actually got to a point where it was really important for me to separate it from the house but initially there was no way that I would have just gone straight into renting a space somewhere because I had no idea I had no idea what I was doing or whether it was going to work out. But I also would never have wanted to put my family in a situation at that time where we're taking loans out or we're over, you know, we're committing to 12 month leases and and things like that. So that was, um, you were needing more consistency, I I think in the beginning as well, like all things, consistency with bookings is the same as consistency with sales before you go out and get, a warehouse mm. if you're a product-based business or whatever it may be. So makes yeah. perfect sense to me. For the last little bit of the episode, let's touch on our friendship and just give a little bit more context about that. We have a very similar and shared sense of humor, which is definitely <laughs> part of the foundation of our friendship. But I think one of the things that I wanted to speak to you about in this episode and get your feedback on as well is just the power of a good long-term friendship that that person that just has your back in all different situations. I actually saw a meme the other day, which I think I sent to you. And it was basically, maybe it was a video actually. And it was a guy talking about how your true friends are the ones that you can count on when you have nothing. You have nothing to give them. You're at your worst. You're at your rock bottom and they still show up and they still get around you and lift you up and they're not seeking to take from you but just to build you up. And I think when I think about our dynamic, that's absolutely what I think about. So I wanted to speak about that. But before we go into that, I feel like we probably need to give listeners a bit of context about Mm -hmm. 
how we met and when that was and all of the things. So I'll give a super quick rundown and then you can tell the story because you tell it better than I do. But essentially for those playing at home, Eliza dated my brother. So I have a brother who's four (laughs) and a half years older than me. And so I would have been, I must have been 13 or something. So Josh must have been 17. I think he was 18. 18. I think he was 18 or almost 18 maybe. Yeah. So 17, 18 and Eliza was his girlfriend. So I'll never forget it. One day I was at our house and I knew that Josh, my brother, had his girlfriend over because they were in the bedroom next to me and I could hear them talking. So I waited until Josh went to the bathroom and then (laughs) I snuck into the bedroom while Eliza was there and was like, hi. I'm Olivia. What else did I say? You tell the story. You tell it better than I do. So all I remember was getting this debrief before I got to the house of Josh having this annoying little sister. He's always sticking her nose in and always trying to make best friends with his girlfriends. And he hated it. He absolutely hated it. And I was like, okay, no worries. Whatever. Didn't care. We get to the house and I feel, I almost feel like he would smuggle me into the house. Like I almost felt like he may as well put like a jacket over my head or something. And like. You're like a celebrity coming in like the back entrance. (laughs) Yeah. So we were in there chatting, whatever. Then yeah, he left to go to the bathroom and you snuck in. And I just remember your presence of just hello like coming in sitting in front of me and I'm thinking who is this little girl because I was 16 so you were just like this little girl to me and you're like just so interested and you would like you have this way when you're interested in someone where you just like look into their soul and I felt like you were just staring trying to analyze me and work me out and yeah you were just like oh you know what's your name what do you do I can't I can't even remember I just remember that the interaction was just so curious to me and I don't remember if you snuck out before he got back or whether you were there when he when he got back probably. from the bathroom. I was probably terrified. Okay. I was probably waiting for the door handle to turn and then I was poof out the door. I feel like you definitely waited for him to leave the room before you snuck in. Like there was no way that you were meeting me and, you know, getting a bit of insight into who this mysterious girl was for sure. 100%. I had a strategy even at 13. <laughs> Yeah, you were very sneaky back then, I would say. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And then I think the next time I met you was at a party that you, for some reason, were at at such a young age. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and we bonded over our, um, I was wearing an Abercrombie and Fitch jumper and you were so impressed by that because I don't know why you just knew the brand. No one else. I think I'd just, I'd gone to an America with my family. I'd come back. I'd been converted into an Abercrombie and Fitch person and you were just so impressed. <laughs> so impressed Fair. by that. And I was probably impressed as well because nobody else had commented on my Abercrombie and Fitch Shed love of fashion too. That's right. Oh, yeah. And then I think from there, I mean, the thing was is that my relationship with your brother was like, it didn't last very long. (laughs) So I think when that relationship ended, our relationship just continued after that. And, And here we are. 
And Here we are almost 20 years later, which is wild. We actually were having this conversation offline the other day about Eliza's daughter saying that she's basically at the age now that I would have been when we met, which is just insane mm. to think that that much time has passed. But I know for me, I really cherish the friendship that I have with you, the ability to be able to have a friend that you can call on, like I said before, no matter what is going on in my life, whether it's carnage or it's amazing or anything in between, to be able to have that person that you can call on that's a trusted friend, that's a shoulder to cry on, someone to lean on, someone to get perspective from as well that just will give it to you straight with love. Like you you always speak with love. I feel like you're never nasty, but you definitely tell me straight. And I really value that in a friendship as well where you've got that really open and honest dynamic where you're just there for each other. And I just think that for me is just, I cherish it. It's so important and and so valuable to me. Yeah, I think it is quite important. I think there's just something to say about those friendships that you make when you're young, because you're almost your worst self when you're young. (laughs) You do, you know, you do so many, you you can be a nasty person sometimes, or you can, you know, do some really dodgy stuff or like whatever it is. But you know, I think you're almost your most truest self, I think, as well. And then when we get older, we we learn that perhaps that behavior is not quite appropriate or perhaps, you know, I shouldn't act that way or perhaps I shouldn't be more like that. But at your core, there's still that little part of you that... <laughs> that well, I think like- that. And also hormones as well, because I feel like between the ages of sort of yeah. 13 to 21, there's just still so yeah. much going on with your body and yes. hormones and you know, you're fueled by all of these extra things. You're probably not making the best choices at times. No, and everything is very emotional when you're young, isn't it? Just absolutely intense. Everything's just so intense. But I think when you make friends at that age, you've literally seen them at their worst and you've seen them at their best and you, you know them through and through. I feel like when you speak to me about things or if you ask my advice, I immediately know you in that moment and what you were probably thinking and I think as well because you've been through some stuff in your life especially at that young age for me to have that insight into some of the stuff that you've been through means I have a bit more of like I have a bit more empathy for you than what say perhaps someone who's met you in the last couple of years they see a certain behavior from you that they don't like or they take it the wrong way but they don't have that insight as to perhaps why you would have reacted that way in that moment, whereas I do. So I feel like, you know, it's it's kind of you, you have that with that person that you've known for a very long time. And it is important. It's so true. And as you're chatting through that, it actually makes me think about the relationship dynamic that I can have as a consultant with clients or, you know, any consultant or coach can have with their clients where there is so much power in long-term mentorship as well and what you're speaking about in the context of friendship applies also in the context of coaching or consulting or mentorship or whatever you want to focus on where if someone really truly knows you they're already a step ahead because they know what's driving you as you know what your values are they know what your internal belief Mm. systems are what your mindset blockages are what your limiting beliefs are they know so much about you and so they're actually able to give you better advice a lot of the time because they know you so well or they might know your business so well as well so that's 
really interesting. That's what was coming up for me in that moment as well of, yes, that applies in friendships, but it also applies in coach-client relationships too. Yeah, definitely, 100%. And that's why even, you know, even when you have doctors and all all those sorts of things, it's important to have those long-term relationships because they know you better than anybody else. So I think that's very important. The other thing that I was going to say is just in the context of business, how having a friendship that you can really count on, one rock solid friendship is really helpful in the context of business as well. And I know that that's another shared thing for us. We both love business. And so it's always nice to have that friend that you can bounce business ideas off as well, because I know, and I've had this conversation with lots of people before, particularly with clients where they say, you know, they really look forward to our sessions because they, all of their friends they aren't business people. And so they can't really have any type of business conversation with their friends because they don't have anyone in their circle that truly understands. So I think having that friendship as well is really powerful in terms of your entrepreneurial journey where you can have, you know, a a business friend that you can talk to where you can bounce ideas off. Yeah, it is really important. And it is one of the reasons why I really value our friendship too, because I don't have a lot of friends that have businesses and all that really understand. Even my husband, sometimes I can't talk to him about something because he just doesn't get it. He just doesn't know. Um, I've only got a couple of friends that have their own businesses and they're the only people that I can really talk to about certain things. And I mean, it's good to have those people because they can get you through hard times and you can almost, you know, when you own your own business, you yourself go through seasons of you might be doing really well for a while and then you might hit a snag and then you might be not doing so well for a while. And you can't tell your friends who don't understand those situations because automatically it's like, oh, she's her business isn't doing very well at the moment. And it's, it just goes somewhere really negative. Whereas if you have that friendship with someone who understands, they get it, they can almost lift you up and be like, well, you know, I was here and, you know, we had this for a while and this is how we overcame it. And so, you know, you've got this, like you can get through this. How about you try this? Because this is what we tried. Or how about you look at this group or, you know, this course or whatever it is. They've got that kind of insight to lift you mm-hmm. up. I think sometimes what can happen as well is, and it's always from a place of love, but they might give advice that's impractical that you can't do anything with. And then, you know, do you say to them, oh, that's actually not something that I can do? Or just, do you just say thank you? (laughs) And sorry, that can be really challenging as well because you know that they're coming from a place of love and they just want to help you and they just want to give you some type of solution. But yeah, to have that person who gets it. Entrepreneurial people think differently. They don't look at, you know, they, they don't give up necessarily. They look at obstacles as something that they can overcome. And I think sometimes when you have conversations with people who don't get it, your conversation ends with, oh, well, maybe you should try something else or maybe you should quit or maybe you should. Just go and get a job. Yeah, they 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 don't they they don't they're not thinking the way that you think. So their advice, yeah, you can't really take their advice sometimes. And also, you can walk away from those conversations feeling really shit, like feeling ten times worse yes. <laughs> when you entered into them. And to be honest, I avoid I avoid talking about my business to most of my friends, and that is not in no way a 
that it's not a reflection of them. It's honestly just a reflection of when I'm with those friends, I just want to be speaking to them about what's going on in their life or the things that we have in common. And I save those other conversations. Yeah. For the people that kind of get it and they can help and it kind of makes a bit more sense. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Totally agree. Do you have a favorite mantra that you live by? I do like quotes and my favorite quote is that people forget what you say but they never forget how you made them feel. Mm, that is something that I that sticks with me. And I think about that a lot when I'm meeting new people mm-hmm. or if I'm in situations where I feel uncomfortable or pretty much any situation, even with, even with some of my friends, I'm a very honest person sometimes. And sometimes I think, did I explain that properly? That are they just going to leave thinking that I said the wrong thing or that I, did I just make them feel bad in that moment? Like there are so many times where I think you have to, you have to really conscious about how you make people feel because that's all that mm-hmm. they remember. Um, for sure. And that's, like that a big, would come that's a big business one. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that would come up a lot for you having such close interactions with clients as well and people being self-conscious and, you know, hair and all of those types of things as well. So I can see how that would be really relevant in the context of what you do. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. When you meet people for the first time, yeah, when you're talking about sensitive topics, always trying to word things. Even if someone asks, you know, if clients are trying to ask something of you that, is unfair or they're trying to push a boundary somewhere. I'm always very careful with how I word things as not to make them feel bad or feel rejected or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, just very sort of matter of fact. About them. I love that. Another example of how humble you are and how much humility you have. I just think you are the best, the best of the best. And I'm so excited to have had you on the show today to share your story and all of the amazing things that you've been doing and just your view on life, I just think is is great. So thank you for being here. I would love to finish today's episode by asking you one last question. And that is for all of our listeners who are listening to this episode, what is one piece of wisdom that you would love to impart on them from our conversation today? What is one thing that you'd love to leave with them that is going to help them in their lives or in their businesses be that little bit better? Good question. These people already have businesses or they're thinking of starting businesses? Could be. Could be thinking about starting one and they've just listened to your episode and been like, God, she's amazing. She's inspired me to start a business now. Or it could be, you know what, business has been really hard lately and I am thinking about giving up. Could be anything. Well, my advice would be to anyone who's thinking of starting a business and they're worried to leave their job or they're worried about it not working out or any of that, I would probably say that unless you unless you do it, you're obviously never going to know. And if you write down all of those sort of core values and you really understand what's important to you, then you can work around building something that kind of fits into that. I think that's really important. And, you know, I would say that I have worked a lot of different jobs over the years. And when I got to a point with those jobs 
where I either knew I didn't want to go any further or knew that going further wasn't going to align with what I wanted in life, I just quit and moved on to something else. I worked with a lot of people who stayed in these jobs because they thought they couldn't do anything else or they thought that they were stuck there because they were however old they thought they were at the time. They probably weren't even that old, to be honest. And I knew that I never wanted to do that. If I... If I was done somewhere, move on and find something else. And if I didn't have that attitude, then I probably wouldn't be where I am today. That's, so that's a really big thing. Just just learn to let things go. Even if you studied it for five years and you thought that's what you wanted to do and then you figured out it wasn't, I've started and I've stopped so many things because it's all gotten me to this point and I've taken everything that I've learned over the years and it has helped me where I am today. So... That would be for the people that are thinking of starting a business, for the people in business at the moment. I guess, I guess I've, especially with the economy and cost of living and all the stuff that's been going on at the moment, I've seen a lot of people getting really stuck in that mindset of no one's spending money. No one wants to book in with me. No one wants to buy anything from me. And to those people, I would say, I would just divert, not just your thinking, I would divert your marketing, maybe seek someone who is a professional in the area that can tell you what's working at the moment. Because this year, especially in beauty, I've had a huge amount of people say, you know, my booking have gone down, things have gone quiet, people aren't spending money, blah, 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 blah. And I have noticed that, yep, that has definitely happened in my business too, but I've also changed my marketing as well. And so I'm still booking, like I'm still, I still have full days. I'm still earning great money. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I changed the way that I was communicating with people and I changed it to a very customer focused approach instead of me like everything was about me that's something that I'm really focused on is not making everything about me it's actually about you and what I can do for you so moving over to things like TikTok little tickety talk love introducing you as my TikTok famous friend (laughs) so TikTok was one way that I changed my marketing so I was doing a lot of reels and a lot of videos and you know a lot of before and after photos on my Instagram and I still do that but I moved to TikTok and I noticed that I was getting so many more bookings coming through and because of the reach and because the way TikTok works with the algorithm and all that kind of stuff, that has definitely helped me. So where there's some people saying, oh, I've lost clients, I would say, yes, I probably lost some clients, but my like the figures don't notice what's going on because I'm filling up those extra spots with new people essentially. I feel like you've just given me a really good idea for an encore episode about TikTok. <laughs> So let us know if you guys are keen for that and I'll have Eliza back on the show so she can teach us a thing or two about TikTok. I'd love to. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I just want to extend my gratitude for you sharing your journey and your wisdom and a glimpse into your world, balancing your four beautiful children and your amazing business. I think, as I've said numerous times in this episode, I think your story is really inspiring and It's a testament to your determination and your resilience and staying true to the values that you have in your business, which I know you spoke about several times in this episode. Your Mm -hmm. journey from a small town 
to building a multi six-figure biz business while raising four children is nothing short of amazing. And I'm sure that our listeners have gained heaps of insights from today's episode. And, you know, whether they have a business now or they're looking to start one in the future, I'm sure that there's loads of amazing principles and guidance that they can take from this episode. So thank you. And thank you to listeners. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the CEO's Wing Woman. Your support means the world to me. So please tune in to every episode. Please subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends and your business community, and make sure you leave a review. Until next time, this is Olivia Jenkins and Eliza Nixon signing off. See you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you love today's show, be sure to let me know by leaving a five-star review. You can also connect with me via Instagram at oliviajenkins.co or learn more on how we can work together at www.oliviajenkins.co. Have an amazing week and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode.